evening, everyone. Hopefully everybody's having a blessed day today, as we are. All right, so as you see from the title, we're going to be talking about the law of Moses, as well as other things as well. But like we say each and every week, our goal is to read the Bible with you guys and answer these tough questions that most of the churches around here don't want to answer or for, for whatever reason. And so we, a lot of people have questions about, do we have to keep the Sabbath day? Are we not allowed to eat certain meats? Or, and a lot of other questions like that. So we want our goal is to answer those questions and to help everybody see the full truth. And so, again, we'll be talking about the Law of Moses upon other things. So if you want to take it away, you can. All right. Uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in with us uh, each and every week. And before we move too far, uh, we'll start out by saying a prayer. If you guys would bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for yet again, as I always say, another opportunity to study your word, another opportunity of just life, Lord. Thank you for giving us breath to wake up every day. Lord, thank you for the many blessings that you bestow upon us because we know that we're not worthy of them. Lord, thank you for how you just continue to keep us under your wings you continue to protect us lord thank you for all of the miracles that you do worldwide lord even from how it extends to other countries and even here uh, even with people that we even know lord we thank you for the many miracles that you do for us because they don't go unnoticed lord and we're also praying for all the sick and the shut-in the afflicted the people that are in desperate need of you right now lord we pray that they'll reach out to you because we know that you hear all of our prayers and lord we just want to say thank you in your name jesus we pray amen amen so we're going to start out um i was asked earlier this week um, about keeping the sabbath day and so I figured, I said, well, we hadn't really talked about that on uh, the broadcast. So we wanted to talk about that tonight. If we should be keeping the Sabbath day, um, especially from certain groups you'll hear, yes, you should be, and yes, it's a sin to eat certain meats. And so we want to go see what the Bible has to say about it. We know those things come from the New Testament, excuse me, the Old Testament. They stem from the Old Testament. But let's see how it has progressed over time. And we'll start out, we'll, we'll go to the focus verse uh, first, which is, I guess you got it up already. Colossians. Yep. So we'll go to Colossians 2 and 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, this really clears it up, but we're going to go back and do some digging just to make sure that this is crystal clear. Paul here says, now, we're in the New Testament. We're in the book of Colossians. Paul, being a Jew, he said, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. He said, don't let nobody tell you you can't eat certain meats. You got to drink this. You got to drink that. <laughs> you got to keep the Sabbath day. He said, don't let nobody tell you that. 
<clears throat> so, uh, and, and we'll read 17 while we're here. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Those things in the Old Testament were nothing but a shadow of things to come in the New Testament. The Sabbath day, he told, he told the uh, Israelites to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So they were allowed to do work for six days of the week, and the seventh day they were to rest and keep it holy. But they were not even able to keep this themselves. So let's move to Matthew, the 12th chapter. And we'll start at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of, of corn and to eat. So we're going to see what Jesus does himself on the Sabbath day. So as in verse 1, we already read, him and his disciples, they were on the Sabbath day. They went through the fields, they plucked corn, and they ate. Now let's see the response of the Pharisees. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him? Now, if they knew who it was that they spoke to, they would not accuse him of doing wrong. David, being the king, he went into the temple on the Sabbath day, and he was hungry, and the people with him. And the only thing they had there was the showbread, and the showbread was only supposed to be ate by the priest. And David, he required the showbread because, like I said, he was hungry. And so he ate it, but nobody said anything to him because he is the king. If we think about it today, who is talking here? Jesus, he was born king. Uh, Herod wanted to destroy him when he heard of his birth because Jesus was born king of the Jews. So Jesus is king, and now we know the king has the authority to make and change laws. And that's what he did. Jesus established the new covenant. And we're going to get to that later, but we'll go ahead and read verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests the priest and the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that, that in this place is one greater than the temple. Jesus is the one greater than the temple. Jesus He's greater than us all. But go ahead, Mel. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. In another place he said, Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Jesus had the right to change the Old Testament laws, or excuse me, not to change, he came and fulfilled them. 
And so now we don't have to follow those Old Testament laws. So that's the reason Paul said, don't let anybody judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day because we're no longer under the first covenant. Jesus has fulfilled that because we were not able to keep the laws of Moses anyways as re within regards of the Sabbath days or not eating certain meats. Even even the Sabbath day, there was another instance where he healed a man with a withered hand. And so when the people were in anger about him doing it, he asked them, if, if one of you, if you have an ox, if, you, if your animal falls into a hole on the Sabbath day, are you going to leave the animal there? Are you not going to go and rescue your animal out of the hole? And they were. That's what they were doing. None of them were keeping the Sabbath day. So he was trying to get us to see, you care more about all of these other things, the animals and every other thing out there, the buildings, everything. We care so much more about those things than we do about people. And, and Jesus was trying to show us that here he cared about the people more because David was hungry, so they ate. His disciples and him were hungry, so they ate. They did. So God is trying to show us where we stand. We care so much more about other things than actually holiness. And that's what he told them about the Sabbath day in the first place. He said, remember to keep it holy. Now, we're not actually holy by, keep, by being, we're not justified by being holy one day of the week. And we actually try to do that. A lot of times we'll, we'll pretend to be holy on Sunday on our way to church and at church. And then when we leave church, we continue living the same lifestyle that we did beforehand. But the scripture says, be ye holy for I am holy. God talking. So he is expecting us to do that every day, not just one day of the week. But let's leave here because we got some running to do. Let's leave here and let's go to Galatians, the third chapter, because Somebody is still not convinced that we shouldn't still be keeping the Sabbath day, which is under the laws of Moses. So we'll start in Galatians, the third chapter, verse one. Uh, Paul obviously dealt with this a lot. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? Who has tricked you? These people have become a part of the church. They've gotten baptized. They've gotten filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, after they've done that, somebody has come in and told them something differently from what Paul told them. Somebody has come in and told them, oh, you got to be circumcised. You got to follow the Sabbath. They, so many of the laws that we found throughout the Old Testament, somebody's come in and told them, you got to keep these things that Moses told us to do. But Paul was trying to tell them, no, you don't. That's what, that's what we just seen him say in Colossians. Don't let nobody judge you according to those things. In one place he said, judge righteously. We gotta make sure we're, we're, we're judging righteous judgment. 
This only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of, of the law or by the hearing of faith? The Spirit. Did you get the Holy Ghost by keeping the law, by making sure you follow the Sabbath day, by not eating certain meats such as uh, shrimp or uh, catfish? Are, are you doing, are you keeping the law? Is that what gave you the Holy Ghost? And he knew that answer was no, because the Bible tells us that out of all of the people in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the faith chapter, it tells us that out of all of those people, Abraham, uh, 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 I'm losing a bunch of names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Noah, all of these people, everything that they did, everything they accomplished, only thing they got was a good report. They received not the promise of the Holy Ghost. They didn't get the Holy Ghost through the Old Testament. That was something established in the New Covenant. So Paul knows that they got this through faith in Jesus Christ. Until Jesus Christ came, we were not allowed to even receive it. Uh, Melvin brought it up the other day when we were, uh, I think it was right after Bible study. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus said it's expedient for him to go away so that we can have the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. So without him, without having faith in him, we would have never had an opportunity to have it. Even in one place, uh, and I'm slipping my mind where it is, but anyways, he said that, Lord, now I lost the scripture. <laughs> And I had it just a second ago. Uh, he said, it's not in man to direct his own step because the director had not been given yet. So, But now we have an opportunity to have the director in us. And we reject him. Jesus said, you always reject the Holy Ghost. Or, no, I'm sorry, I don't think that was Jesus that said that. Uh, but the scripture says, you always reject the Holy Ghost. Uh, but let's let's keep reading down. Actually, let's jump down to let's read verse nineteen. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. Why are we still trying to serve the law? It was until the seed should come. This was until Jesus came, the law. It was a shadow of things to come. A shadow, I didn't really deal with that shadow, but if you look at your shadow, it's not really you. It's not the real thing. A shadow has a resemblance of the real thing. That's all the Old Testament laws were as it, as, as within regards of the Sabbath days and and not wearing certain types of uh, mixed mingled clothing. All of those things of that nature were things that had a shadow, that were a shadow of things to come. So it was a hard task for Paul to get the people to understand that. And it even is a hard task to get people today to understand that. And what's even worse is a lot of times it's not even the Jews 
that are trying to keep the Old Testament laws. Even us today, we are, we are not Jews. We were never under the bondage of the, the laws of Moses. So why would we go and pick up the laws God gave to the natural Jews being we're not even Jews? All right, Mel. Let, let's drop down to 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster until Christ. And in 25, he says, but after that faith has come, Jesus Christ came. We are no longer under the law because he just said the law was a schoolmaster. So substitute schoolmaster for the law. We're no longer under the law. So that's why he said, why for, wherefore this serves the law? Why are you still trying to serve the law? Jesus Christ has taken that bondage off of us. The Jews, really, because us, we were never under a law. But some of us go back and we try to pick up the law and, and we tell people, well, you can't eat certain meat. No, that was the Old Testament law. Even, even now, let, let's run over to 1 Timothy 4. And we'll start at verse 1. Because there's a lot of things that people say that are completely against the scripture. Uh, even today, people say, well, you have to go to church on Saturday, or you should be going to church on Saturday. That's not true. We're no longer under the Sabbath day. We don't have to keep the Sabbath day because we're not able to keep it anyways. I was asking, uh, I was asking someone, I said, all right, so, you say you have to keep the Sabbath day. So you tell me, if you're sitting at home and you hadn't done anything all day, you're just sitting at home and your house catches on fire, are you not going to go and try to get water into a pan or anything and try to put that fire out? Are you just going to let your house burn down and you're going to sit there in it? No, you're not going to do that. So we're not allowed, we're not even capable of keeping the Sabbath day. So that's why Jesus Christ came to fulfill it so that we are, because we couldn't keep it. He said, in one place, Jesus said, think not that I came to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He fulfilled it. So now certain things we don't have to worry about. God is not concerned with whether or not Tony eats a slice of bacon. That's not what God's concerned with. God's concerned with how do I treat Melvin? How do I treat everyone around me? How do I treat my neighbor? Anybody that, that I come in contact with. That's what God wants is concerned with. Looking at First Timothy chapter four, verse one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're going to depart from the faith that Jesus Christ brought us. Speaking lies and in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, 
forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now, people are going to forbid you to get married, but the Bible says marriage is honorable. God never said don't get married. He never said don't get married. From the beginning, he said a man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. But today, people, even uh, priests, certain priests, take vows to not get married. They're being forbidden to be married. Today, you have nuns. They, they can't get married. That's not God's way. That's departing from the faith. You have people that say you should abstain from certain meats. But the scripture here, now this is the New Testament because Jesus fulfilled it. The scripture says that God hath created those meats that people are telling you to abstain from. God created those to be received with thanksgiving. Go ahead and read down, Melvin, if you will. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now that settles it. That settles it. The scripture says you can eat meats. So no matter what kind of meat it is, if you want some crawfish, if you want lobster, crab, it doesn't matter what, what type of beast it is that was uh, it, in the Old Testament declared as unclean, now you can eat it. All those things were a shadow of things to come in the New Testament because in the Old Testament God had to make a way to sanctify or in other words separate the Jews from the rest of the world and so by giving them those certain laws um, to not eat certain meats to rest on the seventh day of the week things of that nature that is how God separated them. But today, we don't need that to be separated. Now we have the Holy Ghost. And if that don't separate you, nothing will. Because now the Holy Ghost tells you to bless them that curse you. Now, if you actually do that, the people around you that see it, he said, let your light so shine that men may see your good works. If you do that, the people around you, they say, man, you must be crazy. <laughs> you mean to tell me they out here cursing you out, flipping you off, throwing finger signs, ready to fight you, and you going to sit here and say, man, God bless you. I love you. I pray <laughs> that you see your actions, that you do better. I pray that you see God's help. They say, man, you must be crazy. That's the separation that God is looking for today. So the Sabbath day could not do that, but the Holy Ghost came. And Jesus came and brought us faith and gave up the ghost. He gave us the opportunity to have the Holy Ghost. And that, that is truly how we are separated today, through the Holy Ghost. So... When people say, well, you can't eat those certain meats, you can't do this, you can't, we have to make sure what it is that people are saying lines up with the scripture. 
we have to make sure we know the truth about the matter that it is that we're uh, discussing. Uh, and I wanted to pick this up. Well, well, I'll come back to that. But let's actually look at Hebrews, the eighth chapter. And we'll start at verse six. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Now, Jesus Christ is the mediator between man and God. He established a better covenant. But let's look at, let's, let's keep reading. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. See, now we're talking about we're still talking about the first covenant versus the second covenant. God found fault in the first covenant because the first covenant was nothing but a shadow of things to come in the new covenant. So the issue, read, let's read verse 8 first. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. Now, there was the fault. So with the first covenant, now we know God gave the first covenant to Moses. Moses' laws, the Mosaic laws. But the issue was, as I mentioned earlier, they could not keep it. They could not keep the laws. And God knew they weren't going to be able to keep it because they had no director. They had no Holy Ghost. So God found fault in that one. He said a new thing he was going to do to He was going to write the laws in our hearts. One and one scripture, um, he said, God has sent forth his spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God had to give us his spirit before we could ever do what it is that he wanted us to do. God, on top of that, God, God is not about force. He wants someone that truly will love him and love everyone else, love his people. So, under the old covenant, the first covenant, they were forced to do things. If they were not, um, if they did not keep certain feasts, they were going to get in trouble with God. They had to be in this specific area. They had to offer these specific sacrifices. So many things they had to do under the old covenant. <laughs> so, like I was saying, they were forced to do certain things. If you were caught, uh, let's take adultery. If you were caught in the act of adultery, you were allowed to be stoned to death. Now, if you were not caught, then you could walk free. So people were going to obviously either try not to commit adultery or just try not to get caught mainly 
because they didn't want to be stoned to death. But that was not in their heart to actually do. They were just doing it because of the consequences. But now, once we come to the new covenant, God said, whosoever will, let him come. God gives you the option to do what he says. And now, because I have love for God and I have love for those around me, I'm not going to try to manipulate or get over on someone just because they're not around. God said, thou shalt not steal. So that is written into my heart. So now I say, man, even though Melvin may not be looking at me, even though Melvin's not even here in the room right now, I'm not going to steal his stuff because <laughs> I love God and I love him. So under the old covenant, people would just say, well, I was stealing. And if nobody's around, then hey, I just got away with it. But that's, the, that's how God found fault in that because it was not in their heart to actually do it. They didn't truly love each other. They didn't truly love God. And we pretend as if we love each other today because as soon as somebody's not looking, we pull the wolf. We, we, we do exactly what it is that we say we wouldn't do while somebody's not looking. So let's, let's read down, man. <clears throat> For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be able to, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. That's that's the power of the new covenant that Jesus Christ brought us. See, this has nothing to do with what meat you eat, because this is how we're going to be separate the Holy Ghost. He said, keep the Sabbath holy. Remember to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, <laughs> he don't even have to tell you to remember to keep it holy if you have the Holy Ghost. After you have been established in it, you know to be holy. After you receive the Holy Ghost and you seek his word and you continue in him, now you want to be holy. You desire to be holy. Holiness becomes who you are. Because God has written it. He has written his laws in your heart. So now we're not worried about, well, I'm just not going to steal from somebody because uh, they're going to take me to jail or I'm going to die. Somebody's going to kill me. That's not what we're saying anymore. Now we're saying, I don't want to steal because I love these people. Because God has put it in my heart. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that, he said, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. The new covenant. So... God has sent his son here, Jesus Christ, to give us the new covenant. And a part of that new covenant, he said, you must be born again. So there's so many different things that God has given us in the new covenant. And just like the first covenant, 
it was dedicated with blood. After God had given Moses the first covenant, they had to go out and kill animals and then smear the blood on them. They put it on the Bible and they put it on the people. And so now the new covenant was dedicated by the blood of Jesus. So we see just how God's word aligns, but, but moreover, I just want to uh, make sure that we understand that we're no longer under the old covenant, the first covenant, because God found fault in it. Because God wants somebody that truly desires to live like him, that truly, that truly desires to live the way he told us to live. So that's my prayer today is that we all can see what it is, but, but don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. That does not mean everything in the Old Testament is not for us today. And actually, the Old Testament is extremely important. We should know the things that occur there. But if you don't know anything else, definitely you need to know what is said in the New Testament. Because the New Testament tells us what we need to do, whereas the Old Testament tells us why we need to do it. But um, one other thing I wanted to uh, clear up in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, and I've kind of moved pretty fast. Uh, I wasn't sure. I didn't go into a lot of depth in some of those things because I wasn't sure how much time we'd have to cover all these scriptures. But in Matthew 23 and uh, verse 9, uh, there's there's... In the world we live in today, there is a lot of uh, priests who are called father. Um, it is a part of their title because they are a priest. But is that actually okay with God? Because now, if I'm not mistaken, the Godhead the 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 deity that we say we we worship is the father son and holy ghost the first one being the father but how is it today that when we go to church we have a priest that we call father now if we look at Matthew the twenty third chapter and verse nine, read that for us, Melvin, if you if you will. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Now, Jesus here, the one that gave us the new covenant, the one that said he's Lord even of the Sabbath day, the one that said he's greater than the temple, greater than Solomon, greater than Jonah, uh, <laughs> the one that was before Abraham. Jesus said, call no man your father upon the earth. Now, let's understand what it is he's talking about. Because if he were talking about natural father, that wouldn't add up. Because he told us to honor our mother and our father. He told us to do that. Respect them. Now, that's what he told us. So, he's not talking about your natural father. He's not saying don't call your natural father father. He's talking about spiritual father because he said, for one is your father. God is one. For one is your father, 
You only got one father, which is in heaven. Now, we know that God is a spirit. The father, there's nothing but God. He is a spirit. So we're talking about spiritual fathers. So how is it that I come to church and all of a sudden I got a new spiritual father? That, that's completely going against scripture because he said, call no man your father. Now, the priest, he's not your natural father. That's your spiritual father. But Jesus here said, don't call, don't call nobody your spiritual father. And that is the same man that his doctrine is he's forbidden to be married. There's a lot of violations, but I'm not, I'm not trying to call out anybody's church. I'm just trying to call out. I want to make sure for anybody who is willing to take heed to God's word that we align ourselves and not be deceived, not following the traditions of the world. I don't think we read that. Uh, let's actually read that. In the book of um, Colossians 2.8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and feign deceit after, tr after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That, I'm praying that we don't fall for the traditions of the world because the traditions of the world say it's okay to call the priest your father. The traditions of the world says it's okay to be baptized saying Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The traditions of the world, so many traditions are completely against God and we don't even know. The scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We don't even know that we're completely against God because we're following church traditions. We say this is what the church says, so we just automatically align to it when it's completely against God. Philosophy. People will ruin you, that spoil. They're just they're they'll ruin you through philosophy. I was looking at something and they were talking about how the higher <laughs> the higher your IQ is the more likely you're not going to believe in God. They were talking about how the people with the highest IQs in, according to um, hum humans uh, or humanity's sake, the higher your IQ is, the more likely you are not going to believe in God. But, and these are the people that say they're smart and they're wise and they understand the world, but... <laughs> God told me, the scripture says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That, that, that's a foolish person. He said, there is no God. But in today's society, those are the people that are high up that we look up to. Because they understand the atom, the proton, the neutron. They understand all types of things. They understand how to make a car. Because of philosophy, science, uh, so many things of this world. But again, God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. See, God is so smart. And we we think we can we think we can study enough books 
and somehow we become smarter than God. <laughs> Just like the people in uh, in the Old Testament, they said they were going to build a tower to heaven. We think we can outsmart God all the time, but let's let's actually read down here. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, how in the world can we have a circumcision made without hands? Because... Now, under the first covenant, circumcision was done by hand. Now, we know what circumcision is. And God gave that law to Abraham. And he was instructed to circumcise every male child on the eighth day after he was born. And so that was nothing but a shadow of things to come under the second covenant because now we see after we've entered into the new covenant the second covenant the one that Jesus Christ brought us we see that now you have a circumcision made without hands because it's spiritual tell us what what that circumcision is Mel. buried with him in baptism oh, I'm sorry read the second part of that uh, oh. verse again and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ that that's all the circumcision is made with our hand circumcision is nothing but the cutting off of flesh the removal of flesh so here he says in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of circumcision of Christ when God gave us his spirit he gave us something that desired to do his will. Now, in his will, he said, fight off the lust of the flesh. Our flesh wants to do certain things. And with the power of the Holy Ghost, God has given us the ability to cut off our flesh. In my flesh, I used to want to drink, but God cut that off. I no longer feel that desire. I no longer have that urge. Is no longer controlling me anymore. So there are things that the Spirit of God, it enables us, it strengthens us. It strengthens the inner man. The inner man strengthens us to do God's will. So the circumcision made with our hands, it's, it's, it was a shadow in the Old Testament. The, the natural circumcision was nothing but a shadow of the spiritual circumcision that was to come. So we see that now, because in one place, Paul says circumcision is nothing. Uh, let's, let's get that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 and 19. For, for those of us that say, we need to still be keeping the law. Paul says circumcision is nothing. Look at Let's look at that, Mel. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Hold on. How is it that in the Old Testament, God told them 
to circumcise every male child on the eighth day. And we see that carried down even throughout Moses' time, even throughout the time of Jesus. That was still carried down. But now that Jesus has come, Paul says circumcision is nothing. That means nothing. Circumcision does not have anything to do with your salvation. If, you, if we read verse 20, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Look, if you were uncircumcised when you got saved, that does not mean you have to go and get circumcised. If you were circumcised when you got saved, that does not mean you have to go and become uncircumcised. Continue in the same calling because those natural things, they don't mean anything anymore. Now, again, God is concerned with your heart. Only the pure at heart shall see God. So now God is, he is trying to see, will you live holy? Will you study his word to show yourself approved? Will you seek him daily? Singing Psalms in one place, he said, in your heart. Will we decide to follow God's word? Because he's trying to direct ourselves. He is trying to get us to not lean to our own understanding and lean to him. To look up to the hills from which cometh our help. To him. So I hope that um, this is plain enough. I kind of ran around a good bit. Uh, I hope this is plain enough for us to see that the Old Testament, uh, as uh, Colossians 2 and 17 says, it was nothing but a shadow of what was to come in the, in the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, everything was physical. But in the New Testament, now God is spiritual. He was spiritual all along, but we were not ready yet. We were still under a schoolmaster. As a matter of fact, before we uh, uh, before we move too much further, let's actually look at uh, Galatians, the fourth chapter, uh, starting at verse one. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Now, here we're talking about an heir which is, let's say it's a prince. He's a child. Now, we know he's going to grow up and become king. He, here it says he's a servant, even though he's Lord of all, even though he's going to be the ruler of everything. Now, they're going to explain that a little bit more in the second verse. But it's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. If you have, if the king has a son and... Now, no doubt he's going to be heir when he grows up, but he is under tutors and governors. We're talking about that schoolmaster again, which is nothing but a reference to the law. Even though he's going to grow up and be ruler over everything, he is in bondage under other people during this period of time until the appointed time of the father until the father declares that he's ready. 
Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now he's talking about he's talking about the law again. That's what we talked about in the third chapter of Galatians, how the law was our schoolmaster. So he's still trying to help us to understand that illustration. So here, he's saying we were in bondage under the law. Not us, but the Jews. They were in bondage under the law again. They had to meet certain feasts. They had to offer certain sacrifices. And God wasn't going to accept no for an answer. So no matter what part of the world you were in, if the feast was going to go on in Jerusalem, you'd have to make your way down to Jerusalem. He said, look, go and find a, a lamb without spot or blemish. So you couldn't just go out there and, and bring the first lamb you found. You had to find one that was up to God's standard. You couldn't go and say, well, God, I'm going to bring you a turtle. God was very specific, and it was, these people were in bondage doing that. So Paul's trying to understand why we want to go back into the same bondage that we were once in, being the Jews, not us, because we never actually kept the law, being non-Jews. All right, Mel. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now we're talking about Jesus. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, Jesus came and took them from under the law. That's all he did. He came, he fulfilled the law so that they no longer had to keep certain things from the law. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now we get right back into the Holy Ghost because that is our separation today. When you receive the Holy Ghost, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, that is how you enter over into the church, and that is what starts the separation. See, right now, most people are not getting baptized in Jesus' name. That's the separation, though. People say you don't have to do it. But we see the Scripture declare we do. We see the Scripture declare we need the Holy Ghost. We must get it because the promise is unto all of us. So it all goes back to the new covenant, which <laughs> the important uh, part about that is God's given us his spirit now. So I hope this is plain enough for uh, anyone to comprehend. Uh, I don't have that much <laughs> to say today. You hit the nail on the head, really. And I see we don't have any comments or questions on any of the pages. So I guess we'll wrap up a little bit short tonight. Uh, just want to thank everybody for watching the live stream and thank everybody that comes to our Bible studies on Tuesdays. And do you have anything else? Um, not if anyone doesn't have any questions. Uh, I mean, I can ramble on for a very long time. I got plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, but not if anyone doesn't have any questions uh, but feel free to ask anything even if it doesn't have anything to do with what we've been talking about
Yep, and our inboxes are always open for questions or for any anything that you uh, may want to know about God. We love the interaction and to answer questions. And like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, um, our goal is just to answer the tough questions or just any questions in general, such as like what we talked about today. How do we have to keep the Sabbath day? Is it all right to call the priest our father? And questions about how does somebody actually get saved? Because those are topics that a lot of churches nowadays don't talk about. Um, they preach a, and I'm not trying to bash anybody's church, but um, they just preach a motivational speech, so to say. Whereas, and they may read one or two verses at the beginning and then proceed to, go about how God's going to bless you with a new house, a new car, and all that. And that's what people tend to want to hear. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being motivated, but none of that stuff is actually going to help somebody actually get into heaven. <laughs> how somebody gets into heaven is reading these scriptures and understanding what they're saying. And it takes a preacher, a God-sent preacher, to do that. How can they hear without a preacher? And how can he print, preach except he be sent? So that's what it's going to take to uh, open our understanding to the scriptures. So, like I say every week, the two main things we need to get baptized in Jesus' name and get the um, gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. If you have not done that, I mean, and if you're in the Oxford area, I mean, we're right here. We can definitely do that for you, both of those things, because they are essential. And a lot of people say they're not, but they definitely are, as we've read plenty of times in the scripture. So I just pray that we all go back to the book and not follow the traditions of the world. Because the traditions of the world say a lot of things that are contrary to the scripture. So I pray that we all get back to the book. I pray that we all study the word as it's meant to be studied. Because we can't just read the Bible like a newspaper. The word says here a little, there a little. And um, we, we just have to get back to the book. And I pray that you guys have a blessed evening and a blessed weekend. And for those of you who are going to come to our Bible study Tuesday, we'll see you then. If you don't have anything else, then I will call that a night. All right. Thank you for watching. See you guys.